welcome to the AHC podcast. Join us in conversation with experts, thought leaders and colourful characters in the hairdressing industry and beyond. We'll be discussing stories and ideas to inspire, educate and entertain you and most importantly, to help grow your business. If you'd like to listen to more AHC podcasts, you can find them on Spotify or Apple under the Australian Hairdressing Council. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi everyone, I'm Sandy Chong from the Australian Hairdressing Council and I've got a special guest today and it's Anne Lederman, also known as Anne Burgermeister. And the reason for that is she is the wife of the late Frank Burgermeister and she really has some really wonderful things to talk about as in her career as well as Frank's. And so we thought we would just have a chat about, you know, what's happened uh, to hairdressing, I guess, and education training just over the years. But um, I've met Anne a few times now. She just has some really amazing, I guess, things to say and an outlook on our industry. So we thought we'd have a chat about education and training and just hairdressing where we are right now. So thank you for joining us, Anne. It's really great to meet you. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for inviting me onto your program. Now, let's have a chat about, you know, who you are and a little bit about, I guess, about your background and, um, you know, because obviously you were married to the late Frank and he was the Australian hairdresser of the year, beautiful person, incredible educator, incredible trainer and beautiful hairdresser as well. So tell me about your journey with Frank and hairdressing too. <laughs> well, I um, I sort of fell into hairdressing. Frank used to cut my hair when I was at high school and um, I always enjoyed going into the salon where he was the manager in the city in Melbourne and I just thought one day, gee, that would be really fun to work in that place. I think I'm going to apply for a job. So I did. <laughs> and, um, and I did my four-year apprenticeship and I was very, very blessed that um, Frank was my teacher. I was his, uh, I guess, his sort of personal slave in a way, and in return um, he passed on his gift of hairdressing to me. And, you know, as a result of that, I've had a fantastic uh, a fantastic journey through hairdressing. That's amazing. And, um, do you know, when I was 13, I knew I wanted to be a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my cousin is a, is a, was a hairdresser and so was my aunt. And one day I looked at them and I thought they were the coolest people on the planet, you know, and they always seemed to have fun. And where I did my apprenticeship, um, when I walked in, I just couldn't get over the culture, the vibe, the tribe, the creativity, mm-hmm. how colourful the people were, and I just loved everything. What I didn't love, though, which was really interesting, because um, they didn't do training, and we absolutely were desperate for training. Now, I remember I eventually left that salon purely for that reason, that mm. I wanted to learn more and be more. And it wasn't that I didn't love being there. It was a great salon. The work was fantastic. But I wanted to train. And so I left. And the salon I went to, in fact, trained two nights a week. And um, back in those days, well, you did that outside of your work hours mm-hmm. and because you just wanted to you wanted to be there you wanted to um, I couldn't wait to be technically excellent at everything that I did but um but 
you know, with Hugh, you had an incredible trainer. Like, I mean, he was renowned for his, tra- his training. So I was very, I was very fortunate. We also had to do training two nights a week. Yeah, but so it was. What did that look like? Uh, what what kind of training did you do? Because uh, we did we did everything initially. Um, all, all your basics, your cutting, um, blow drying hair, uh, colouring, etc. And then in our third year, we then had to choose because I worked in a salon where it was uh, they followed a Sassoon methodology. The owner of the salon, Robert Leopold, he was English, and he would go back to Sassoon's every year and and you know do some upskilling. And so that that was the sort of hairdressing that I learnt initially. And, and then in, our, in my third year, I had to choose, did I want to be a cutter or did I want to be a colourist? And I decided that I wanted to do cutting. And in my fourth year, I was um, a fully booked hairdresser. I was, you know, had my own clientele and, yeah, I went on from there. So I've had a, a, a very, I guess, successful and enjoyable career. And a lot of my, a lot of my clients have known me since I was 17. So they've been with me. We've grown old together, you could say. Uh-huh. And um, so just from a personal level, so you obviously married your boss. Is that what you're telling me before? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And how long were you married for? Uh, 36 years. Uh, okay. That's pretty nice. Yeah. And um, and so when we look at the industry today and we look at education training, you know, it's very different to when um, when we did our four-year apprentice apprenticeships and, you know, we trained two nights a week and, you know, we had to have a cutting model. In fact, I had to have two. Um, in fact, I remember also on Saturdays there was a senior stylist that took me under her wing and I used to go to her place and I also used to cut, do cuts on Saturday afternoon. In those days you didn't work all day Saturdays. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'd buy a gift every week, you know, as a thank you. But I just so wanted to learn. And um, so when we look at the training that we went through that, obviously it doesn't happen nowadays. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is missing from our industry now when we look at, I guess, technical ability and also when it, when we think about training and education? Um, how do you think things have changed? I think what's really um, badly missing is foundation skills. That's what I think is really missing. And whilst um, in Victoria we were locked up endlessly, um, I did a lot of research in hairdressing education. Oh, my God, I watched so many hours of education. And, and what the, the conclusion I came to is that there's a lot of post-grad education that is, you know, inspirational, aspirational. However, if you don't have really good foundation skills, you're never going to be able to, to execute what you're looking at. It's just not going to happen. If you don't have foundation skills, you're not going to understand what you're looking at. You're going to enjoy it, but I'm not sure that you're going to be able to execute it. And, and that's what I think is the, the greatest thing missing. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I and I only, I, I constantly hear hairdressers saying, talking about how um, hairdressers don't want to cut hair anymore. They just want to trim hair. And not only do I hear the hairdressers saying that, I hear the clients saying it too. I've, I, I don't. I don't advertise. I still work three days a week. I don't use social media. I don't do any of those things. And I have clients referred to me all the time. Why? Because people want a haircut. They don't want a trim. They want a haircut. 
So that's that's what I think is really missing in our industry today, and I think it's really sad. I really do. That's interesting, and I think, unfortunately, you know, fashion has played a big part of that with the, you know, we've got beach waves and long hair and balayage, et cetera, and, you know, much of it does look beautiful, but if that is your only skill, then, of course, you know, they have missed out on a lot of those foundation skills. Now, the Australian Hairdressing Council, um, you know, really uh, really has a, um, you know, we have a lot of, I guess, meetings on this. We have three directors on our board of um, on our board that represent education and training. And underneath that, we have another whole committee uh, that represents um, us nationally, okay? And then underneath that, we actually have a whole lot of members who are very passionate about education training. And as you know, the training package is very dated now. You know, it doesn't have the flexibility that our industry needs. And, um, you know, I know that uh, if you are very passionate about the foundation skills, it would certainly be great for you to make sure that you contribute to the conversation as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the consultation when it comes to a new training package. And the new training package will be put together by the Jobs and Skills Council, and ours is called um, Skills Equipped. And part of that is a lot of consultation on what does the industry need. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, obviously I hope that you will have a strong voice there as well. Because, look, I I also do believe that, um, you know, because fashion changes the way we do things and it tends to dictate, you know, where our hairdressers do go, you know, that foundation, those foundation schools of cutting short hair and understanding balance um, really, so I guess, uh, are not... Um, trained on as much as they used to be, maybe in our time, let's say. Well, I think that's that's really detrimental because no matter what fashion, um, you know, evolves into, if you have really good basic foundation skills, you can can do do all, anything. I mean... I have people show me pictures of what they want. I don't need someone to show me how to do it. Mm. I know how to do it. I know how to make those shapes. It's just simply having those um, basic skills, you can make those shapes. Yeah. You, don't, you, you don't need to change the basics. You just don't. Yeah. And it's even with um, curly hair, you know, how many actually do hair like your beautiful curls how many do that really, really well? And, you know, where I work, we have curly hair experts, but, you know, and, and they have wait lists because, you know, that is another skill that not everyone can do. But um, but that's really interesting. So if there was a message that um, that we could give the industry at the moment when it comes to education and training, what would be your message? Personally, what I've heard, I... I, I listening to the conversation that you had last week, I feel the focus is constantly on the mechanics and no focus on the con- quality of the content. That, that's what I think is missing. Yeah. I never hear anybody talking about the content. I just hear them constantly talking about the mechanics, the, 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 the yeah, d- just the process. But, but what about the quality of the content? Yeah. Is that not important? 
I think it is the most important thing. Um, how you deliver content, to me, that's the secondary part of it. It's also important, but if the con, you know, there's a there's an expression: if you put shit in, you get shit out. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to be crude, but you yeah. know, it's like collecting data. If you put rubbish data in, then you're going to get rubbish out. <laughs> So to me, that's what we need to be addressing. We need to be addressing the content, not just the process. Yeah. And there's a whole, um, I guess, it gets really complicated when it comes to, um, you know, what's behind, you know, education training at the moment with this system and hopefully with uh, our new Jobs and Skills Council, Skills Equipped, that we're going to see some changes there in the very near future. Um, we're going to do, the AHC is going to do a number of, of videos um, on some very successful hairdressers and, mm-hmm. or in fact, very successful people full stop. And, you know, Frank Bergemeister and yourself, of course, um, are part of the story of Australian hairdressing history. And I think the one thing that's unique about people who are really successful um, is they never worked nine to five. You know, they really put their hand up for every opportunity. They turned up to everything that was on as well. And they really embraced education and training. And as I said, you know, in our day, I know that it was very different. You and I would put our hand up to attend anything and everything. Yes, it was outside of our work hours. No, we didn't get paid. It's a very different world now. But we did go to everything. And you know, if there was anything on in education training, we were there and because we wanted to be better and we wanted to be more than where we currently were at. And I think I think I think that the that there also needs to be under, an understanding that payment isn't always in money. Payment comes in many different forms. If I think about all the things that, that Frank did for no payment, mm. however, he understood that the the payment comes in in another way, and and um, he, no matter whether he was getting paid or not, he always gave one hundred and ten percent because what you do professionally speaks volumes about your integrity and who you are as a professional. That's the payment. The oh. money comes anyway. <laughs> Exactly, and see, um, with Frank, he was very giving, very very giving with his time and his training. And you can't take skills or training back off someone, do you know what I mean, when you've given them. And so I know that he was really generous with that. And I think when you find someone who is an incredible trainer, then, you know, um, well, nowadays with social media, you know, we need to follow them. But when there are courses on, it's like attend them and be at them. You know, if you want to be more and if you want to have strong foundation skills, but also to, um, you know, what comes with attending a lot of these courses is the inspiration, the motivation. And, you know, we all need that sometimes, even if you are technically excellent and booked out. Um, in fact, do you know what's interesting? Those who are technically excellent booked out, they're always the ones in the front row anyway, and they're always the ones that are keen to learn. And that's the one thing I found in my career is you never stop learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the day that you do, that's a real, you think that you that you know it all, I think that's a real shame. And um, so I think no matter how long you've been in the industry, it's always 
embrace and be a sponge over and over and over again because yeah. um, you never stop learning. Andy, um, it's, it's it's fun. Um, I'm very fortunate that, you know, because a lot of my clients have been with me for a very long time, they trust me and they just let me do whatever I want to do. And, like, last week I had so much fun because I did all sorts of new things that that I got my inspiration from uh, watching some uh, new new looks on I'm a member of Sassoon Online and I just got a bit of inspiration from a couple of things that I saw um, and, yeah, it just turned my week into such fun. I had a great time. And, you know, when you've been doing this for about 50 years, uh, <laughs> if you can still say that you have fun, I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good too. You know, and as I said, when I where I did my apprenticeship, it was fun. Like I'd never worked in a place where they had music before. Now I'm really showing my age, do you know what I mean? But fun music, good music. And um, as I said, everyone was colourful, but... I loved doing our guests, like enjoying my time with them as well. And, um, you know, you said that you're based in Melbourne and, I mean, the pandemic was brutal. Um, but the one thing that um, I think the one thing that the pandemic really did bring out to our communities is just how valuable a visit to the hairdressers is and how we really do contribute to the self-esteem and also the confidence Sandy, Sandy, a hairdresser's job, this is this is just my opinion, oh. but a hairdresser's job is to ensure that when the client leaves the salon, they look and feel better than when they arrived. That That's oh. my job. I agree. And, you know, um, we used to say um, that our goal was to make them feel like a million dollars, make them look like a million dollars, but it didn't cost them a million dollars anyway. And that, so that's a, you know, that's one thing that we would always say, but you know, we contribute to their mental health. And, you know, I think our role as a hairdresser, you know, if we have our fundamentals right, as you say, we're technically excellent. But, you know, we have so many life skills and, you know, we are that accidental counsellor and we do create incredible, wonderful relationships with our clients, just exactly as you said, you know, you, you have fun, you have a laugh and they leave the salon as you know, um, feeling better about themselves, but really enjoying the relationship with their hairdresser. And that's what we're all about. You know, it is more than the finish. It's more than an Instagram photo. It's mm -hmm. about everything else and everything starts from foundations. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you so much for the conversation and for your time today. And, you know, you're so right when we think about education training, where do we need to go back to? It's strong foundations and, you know, maybe thinking about being at everything you can be at, going to everything, putting your hand up for every opportunity to be a better hairdresser or the best hairdresser you can possibly be because I think your clientele also reflects that as well and how booked out you are. If you're not booked out, then that's not a good sign. A good sign is when you're booked out and you've got a wait list as well. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for your time. Take care. Speak so. Bye.